This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Monday, it's the 31st of July 2023. And today it's all about you and your feedback. We love you. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. I just realized how that sounded. I just, it sounded like, I'm so glad you're here because otherwise we'd have nothing. That basically it's, is how that came across. No, it was very, very sincere sounding that we love you. We love you. You're oh. the be- best audience ever. We do love you, in fact. Let me put it in a better way. We love you. Hello. <sighs> do you know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm a bit yes. annoyed today. Oh, what a surprise. It's Monday and Stephen's annoyed. What's yeah, the matter? Uh, so I've got this iPhone 14 Pro, right? And I like my iPhone 14 Pro. Oh, you just why, like it, do you? Why wouldn't you like an iPhone 14 Pro? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> no, that wasn't a question. Oh. That was a rhetorical, <laughs> maybe? I don't know. Anyway, well um, but here's the thing. I wanted to switch from my iPhone 13 mini to my iPhone 14 Pro. Now, most people would say, well, that's fine. You just switch over. You know, you just do maybe a backup, uh-huh. you restore. Uh-huh. You. you know, you go through the process of the thing. Yes. Uh, problem is, the eSIM that's inside my iPhone 13 mini, I'm on a network called O2 here in the UK. O2. Which is interesting, as a network goes, mm-hmm. because uh, you, <laughs> wait to hear this. I, I want to, and I'm, I'm mentioning this today because I want to hear if other people around the world have this problem with eSIM, right? In order to move my eSIM, I have to contact the network... They then send me a piece of paper with a QR code printed on it that I use my other iPhone to scan. And then that then does the transfer of the eSIM from one phone to the other. Okay, let me just say this. Do they think you are, um, um, what's, what's the word I want to use here? Well, okay, let's go with that. Do they think you're an idiot? Of course, that can all be done digitally. You don't need to be a, a piece of paper sent. That's m- mental. Yeah, look, I've just got a text from the network right now saying you've got to do this. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I contacted... Good time. Um, I, I, I get... I, 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 so I've got another network connection called by a network called EE, which is another mobile network here. EE. And if you want, you have weird names we have in this country for mobile networks. EEO2. It's like, I don't know, it feels like some kind of nursery rhyme waiting to happen. Um, but basically, you can easily switch, as I did. I could easily take that and just do a transfer. Within the uh-huh. settings, you could just transfer the eSIM across. Correct. You should do a demo of this because it's actually really simple. On that network, mm. but on the other one, I have to send away for a piece of paper yeah. to come to my house via uh-huh. the mail. Snail mail, I believe the youth call it. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then... Back in the 90s, yes. Yes, thank you. Uh, and then I have to scan that code to get my... It's like, really? This is like 2023 meets the 1970s. Well, why couldn't they email you that QR code if it No, it has to, to come by that? mail. For some why? reason, and it might, why? I don't know if it's a security thing. Security to confirm your address. That yeah. is ridiculous. ridiculous. Okay. Isn't it? I No, I tell you, on this rare occasion, Stephen Scott... Your rant is very justified. Thank you. Thank you. Well done, you. You're a hero. I am. am Listen, I speak up for the people. That's my thing. I speak... Right enough. Shut up, people. Um, (laughs) I speak for the people. (laughs) All right. I'm going to sweep aside your eSIM, because, you know, eSIMs, although an excellent idea, uh, are not used very much, I'm going to put out there. I don't think they're used Hang on, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Excuse me, Sean Priest. Hang on. Do you remember when the iPhone 14 came out? Yes. In America? They didn't even have the SIM tray option. That's crazy talk. Of course they did. No, they didn't. In America, they didn't have the option. It was only in Europe. It was only here in Europe. Really? In the uh. Yeah. Okay. That's the only place they had it. You know what? I will take that statement back then. I, Sean Priest, was wrong. Um, Breaking news. Breaking news. (laughs) Got my button back. (laughs) I noticed. Only a little bit of a delay, but it's perfect. Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. uh, The eSIM, I don't care about, I'll be honest with you. Um, Why do you want to swap over from your mini to your massive? Well, why wouldn't you? It's Um, a better phone. I've got all my LiDAR options in there. I could use all the new features that are coming out. 
I'm not going to get any of that with a Mini. So I thought I may as well, well switch over to the 14. Let me stop 14. you right there. Why did you, you, you had both phones, so why did you plump for the Mini in the first place? Why didn't no, you that, eSIM that, directly onto the 14 Pro? Have you anything I've just said? Yeah. So I, in order to swap my SIM over, I have to contact the network. Well, hang on. They no, then so send no, me no, a piece no. of yes, paper. Yes, yes, Do you understand yeah, this? No. Yeah. So you say you bought the 14 Pro and have never used it. Oh, no, I use it, but I, I've used it for other purposes. <laughs> That's so no, weird. Okay, but like, demo and betas and no, well, no, it has got a SIM on. It's got my e SIM. It's got my e SIM. Well, okay, so all right, so the, I forget so my e SIM. That's a lot of e's, isn't it? When you oh, think about oh. it. So the what I'm saying is, why do you want to? Why do you want to swap back now? What are you talking you, about? I you, want to no, use no, my. What is confusing you, about this? I want to use my iPhone no, 14 Pro. Are you confused? It. Are you all right? Yeah, but you said you love the Mini. You, I do the whole, like the Mini. The I whole do. point was you love the form factor I want of the, the Mini. Features. It's tiny. It fits in your pocket. It's big. and what all that lovely are stuff. you missing on the 13 that you get on the 14? So it's the iPhone 14 Pro. Dynamic Island. I want the Dynamic Island. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm really kidding about that. I want the LiDAR. I want all the people detection. Well, not so much. Well, people detection oh, so I can avoid you them. use that? I want I'm the magnification sorry. features. I want no, the new no. stuff that's coming in iOS 17. Oh, well, you'll get that on the 13 Mini. No, you won't. You will. Talking about it. doesn't have LiDAR. Yeah, apart from the LiDAR. You know what? LiDAR is a great proof of concept. It's not really the worst at the minute. I love how your response to everything is. It's just the worst idea ever made. No, 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 no. (laughs) ESIM is terrible. No one uses them. Ah, Okay, LiDAR, who cares? No, no, LiDAR is great. But what I'm saying is, how often have you used people detection? Oh, I mean, well, not on the iPhone 13 Mini for sure, because it's not there. (laughs) The Pro does work. You just said it's got the ESIM in it. So you do have that available to you. Yeah, but you know what what it's like, right? So you have two phones, right? No, no, but the point is, you've got. But the point I'm making is, when you've got two phones. Yes. If you you always have a main phone, we all have a main phone. And the problem is that my SIM card is in the wrong phone. And you see, what I have to do is I've got to contact the network, and then I have to. they, They send me a piece of paper. Matrix has got a glitch. Deja vu. Okay, yeah. cool. Very interesting. I want to rant about the Focusrite Solo Scarlet CG212. Oh, down with the people gen. then. Right, carry on. I was talking about an issue which is universal, and you're talking about, what, some kind of audio interface? Yes, I am. And it's very, very personal to me. Oh, is this a, is a moment? Is it you all right? This is a moment. Okay. Right, okay. I'm, I'm sitting back. So I've got this interface to try and get this mixer working. So All right. boring. It's very nice, very, very nice. It's the Focusrite Scarlet Solo 2i2 third gen, to be exact. Right? Eyes, ableist. It's got buttons on it to turn on phantom power and monitoring and things like that. But you don't know if they're pressed. The only, the only way you know if a, a feature is turned on is because the light turns on. You know, it's not one of those buttons where you press it and it stays down or you press it and it pops back up or you flick it to one side or the other side and you know what's what. It's just a toggle button. So you press it, it goes click and oh, it's on. So you press it again. Oh, it's off because the light's turned on or off. You've got no way if you can't see the light of knowing if that feature is on. It's absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? It's a perfect example of where accessibility, a thought of accessibility, would make this a better user experience for everyone. Toggle buttons. If you put this audio interface in your cupboard or behind something, you've got no way of knowing what's on or off. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Thank you. Speaking of the people, as always, well done, Sean Priest. Well done. You're welcome. Great bit of kit, by the way. Sounds lovely. I have to tell you, I don't disagree with any of that. I think there's too many, too much of this stuff coming out now where you just have these buttons that you press uh-huh. and you have no idea whether you've no pressed idea. or not. It's no. a disgrace. Did my roof just collapse? It sounded like it. It did sound like it, didn't it? <laughs> I think my house is falling down. I maybe should pay more attention to my house than perhaps my eSIM issues. Because <laughs> it sounds like it's about to collapse. Bill uh, Bear? Yeah, all right. Do you have a good weekend? Is <laughs> all right, I suppose. I'm mucking around with a mixer for 24 hours. But audio uh, interfaces, trying to figure out if buttons were on or off. I know. I had to get Ira. God bless you, Ira. I had to get them on the case. Very good. Yeah, I'll be my eyes. Could have done it for you. Could have done it for me, but I wanted them just to, just in case they couldn't see the labelling on it. I wanted the ability to bring up the manual, which is the thing that Ira can do, which be my eyes can't. You know, I suggested to you on Saturday that you might want to. Um, Take a picture of it with Be My AI 
It's now called, they don't call it virtual volunteer anymore. They call it Be My AI. AI. Is that right? Is that what they call it? That is right. Yes, Be My AI. Um, Yeah, okay. Could have done, but I didn't. Well done. Uh, Okay, so coming up today, um, (laughs) it's a tech show, honest. Uh, Coming up today, we're going to be hearing from Michael Babcock. He's a star here at Double Tap Towers, and uh, he is going to be joining us to talk all about portable preferences for voiceover on the Mac, a feature which I've seen many times in my um, voiceover, uh, what do you call it? Experience, life. No, the thing that comes up. <laughs> utility. That's the word I was looking for. VO utility. When you uh, do VO F8, it brings up utility, and you've got that option there for portable preferences. Never understood what it does. Never understood how to use it. Michael is going to solve it for us today. Actually, I think right. you can find this will uh, be uh, rather surprising for the show. Useful. Um, okay, let's, let's buck a trend. Why not? Yes. Thought we'd try something different for Monday. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think you'll find this rather useful because I don't know about you, but sometimes you want to take your personal preferences with you to another no. Mac. No. Well, no, you don't. I don't. Uh, but, but also, you can export them. You can back up. You can save them. So if you were you resetting your Mac, yes. you can take your preferences with you. I didn't know you could do that. So someone's texting us again to tell us. I know. I'm trying to turn it all desperately off, but I can't. Okay, carry the on. Thing, the good thing is Cover. that we're not making reference to it. That's no, no, the important no. thing. You don't, want to bring, you don't want to bring light to that kind of thing. <laughs> Who's texting us both at the same time? It must and be that's WhatsApp. That's confusing me. Yeah, someone, something's gone horribly wrong somewhere, okay. and we're ignoring Every, it right now, which, which is fine. Uh, okay, so shall we get to some voicemails? Because we get lots of emails in, as you well know, and we get lots of voicemails as well. Loads of you sending in voicemails, dropping voicemails on one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. Thank you for that. It's lovely to hear your voice. Uh, we're going to start, though, with an email uh, because Doug wants to tell us all about Amazon accessibility. Greetings. Evidently, it is not very well known that Amazon does have an accessibility help desk. They will help you find things on Amazon and put them in your cart. The direct phone number to the Amazon accessibility in the United States is 888 I think on the following numbers for Canada and the UK, these are for the normal customer service. She said, when you reach normal customer service, ask for the accessibility help desk. I would guess at that time you would be able to acquire the actual direct phone number for the accessibility help desk. Here is the phone number for Amazon Canada and UK. Amazon Canada phone number 1-877-586-3230. Amazon UK phone number plus 44 Seven nine one Thanks, Doug from Southern Illinois. Doug, I had no idea such a thing even existed. I was unaware of this. I knew there was an accessibility help desk in as far as if you needed help with, say, a Fire TV stick or, you know, maybe setting something up with an Amazon device or even just feeding back about accessibility to Amazon. But I didn't know you could get help in that sense of, you know, even going in and, and getting something added to your cart. This is news to me. I've got to say, it's not very well publicised over here, at least in the UK. It seems to me that in America, you always find these accessibility lines directly. They, they seem to be more um, known. Um, yeah. And like you said there, they, they, are, they are available over here in the UK and in Canada, obviously. But um, you need to go through customer services first to get that. It just seems a little bit strange to me. And um, yeah, I have rang the accessibility helpline with Amazon, and they were very good, actually. Have you used this before? I have, yes. I used it to report a problem with the Prime Video not having audio description. And um, you know what? They were very um, uh, very responsive, and it was fixed in the next week. So. The question is, though, would you want to call that... I mean, I suppose they're the best people to call, but you kind of wouldn't automatically think of calling them to add something to your basket. I mean, it, it makes total sense. It's an accessibility problem, right? Why yeah, not? absolutely. That's what they're there for. But you kind of feel then, well, you know, no. with an IRA agent, you would maybe sit and you would go through a number of items. You would feel like it's on your time. You've got the time. You've got the agent there who can go through things and really spend some time with you, giving you detail and good audio description of what you're looking at, right? Yes. So, for example, if you want to know about a particular product and the detail of it, they would go through all that. Would you feel the same level of comfort spending time with a, an yeah. Amazon agent? Yeah, you're spending money with them, of course. Yes, yeah, absolutely. No, I get that, Do they but, want to make the sale or not? But what are they like? That's what I want to know. Are they as responsive as, say, an IRA agent would be? Would they spend oh. that time with you? Or is it a case of, okay, any good? Uh, all sorted, right? Bye-bye. 
get you off get the next call well, on. As you know? ever, it depends on the the individual, right? It, you could say that for anything. I've had some really good experiences and some absolutely horrendous experiences on every every organization, every business out there. It depends. Mm. If you get someone you don't like, hang up, ring back. That's what I do. Um, great idea, though, and uh, I'm glad to know about it. I had no idea. So what we'll do is we'll put those numbers into our show notes so people can catch, because I'm sure most of you won't have caught all that. But uh, we will put those numbers into your uh, into our show notes, and you can check that out on the podcast app. Also, remember that if you don't listen to us on the podcast, uh, you can go to AMI. I know, shocking, right? But people, people might not, because they would rather listen to us on a wonderful radio network called AMI-audio. Which Gorgeous. I think is a much better idea, personally. Actually, yeah, forget the podcast. Don't go there. Go to the AMI website. There might be people that call this a podcast. Oh, it's not a podcast. This is a we radio are not a podcast. show on the best radio network in the world. Oh, well done. God bless you, Mr. F. I think that sealed us another year, or at least a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go to uh, Sharon, who wants to comment on audio description. Hello, Double Tappers. I live across the Great Lakes from Ontario, Canada, and I can nice. access the CBC where most of the programmes have audio description. The problem I see it is that someone has to pay for the audio-described programming. Here in the US, only a certain percentage of the commercial programming is required to have audio description. When talking with friends who are recommending a particular movie or programme, I usually reply that I have to check to see if it's described. Then I usually say that I don't waste my time listening to a programme that is not described. The movie theatres here seem to be able to provide audio description without much trouble. Currently, I'm in the middle of the Downton Abbey series and I'm discovering all the things I missed the first time around because I was initially watching on public television, which definitely does not have the budget, apparently, for funding of audio descriptive programming. Sharon from Detroit, Michigan. So strange, this whole AD thing. that There has to be a better way of doing this. I feel like we're just going round in circles in this debate. We're sitting here saying every single day, Look, there's all this audio description content out there. Take Downton Abbey is a great example of that. That must have been audio described about 12 times by different companies over the years. Exactly. Yes. Why can't they just figure out which one they like <laughs> and stick to it and just use that one and just make it part of the broadcast, the the package that they sell to whatever broadcaster takes of course it? So it doesn't it matter if it's public television or if it's, you know, I don't know, mum and pop TV. It doesn't make any difference. Because the point you've got the content. I mean, if you've got the TV show, you've got the description, right? That should be the deal. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, you've only you only get the mono audio soundtrack. You only get the Dolby. You don't. You know, it's it's ridiculous. It, yeah. Someone is making, as you rightfully said, that these audio descriptive tracks are being made again and again and again because someone makes them and they say, "No, that's ours." When they sell the the the, the package on. Absolutely ridiculous. This should be, I don't know, there must be something we can do about this, but it's been going on for years and years and years. It's just ridiculous. And, you know, it's funny because it puts me off. So this big movie at the moment, Oppenheimer, that everyone's talking about, and uh, I'd quite like to go and see it. I have to be honest, I just don't really want to go to the cinema. It's not the cinema. I, I like the cinema experience. It's not that I, I particularly don't. care. No, I don't I don't mind it, right? Because it's nice to, and my wife was saying the other day, she said, let's go to the cinema. We haven't done the cinema in a long time. And, you know, they've got these cinemas now, the big recliner chairs, and it's all very lovely. In fact, there was one in, is it Germany? Might be Germany, yes. I think. They've got beds. Beds. Oh, my God. I'd be that? asleep. Beds. No. Every time I go to the cinema, I fall asleep within I, 20 be, minutes. I'm I'd snoring my head off. I know. I'd be out during that. I'd be kicked out the cinema for snoring. <laughs> whole, do, uh, whole new thing for the back row, right? But here's the um, thing. Oh, no, babe. Uh, <laughs> Come on, we're we'll married. That. That's never going to happen. Uh, and it's with us, it's usually front <laughs> to, to row. other people, let me just quickly Yes, add. exactly. Uh, but for us, it'll be <laughs> as near as possible to the ice cream cart. That's usually how it works for me. Uh, yes. No, it's about $20, is it? Anyway, sorry, carry on. But, but yes. here's the thing. It's not the experience, because I actually quite like the experience of the cinema. I like the recliner chairs, and I like, you know, getting the big popcorn and all that stuff. It's, it's, it's just nice, you know, to go out and do that. My issue <laughs> is that I, in order to enjoy this movie have to sit there with a pair of <laughs> 70s headphones on 70s headphones on <laughs> uh, probably with my head turned away from the screen in order to get the rf signal into the headphones yes and then sit <laughs> there through, exactly through the whole film you know <laughs> trying to hear the audio description and I, I just can't be bothered with that and plus the fact you know i, I know we're in a post-covid era apparently 
But, you know, it has made us all think a little bit more about hygiene. Oh, yeah, they're gross. It's yeah. disgusting. I'm having to put on a pair of headphones. I've got no idea how many people have had these headphones on before or what condition their heads were in at the time. They're mucky ears. Yeah. Well, I mean, why can't they just Bluetooth out? So you go in, you, t- you go to your Bluetooth settings on your phone and connect to an audio descriptive stream. But do you know what would be even better than that? The smartest thing they could do No, that is, was smart. Well, it is smart. But okay, look, look, if, look, if they've got RF technology, right, <laughs> yes. and you're receiving that signal, couldn't you just get a little box you could plug your own earphones into? Even that would be better. So instead of a pair of headphones, mm. which everyone's had their, their ears on, oh, we're, getting, oh. we're getting a lot of complaints today. <sighs> What's um, going on? Someone is desperate to get hold of you. And for some reason, I know what it's like, though. No matter how many times I turn something off, I've got something else just beeps. Do not this. I, I don't know what's happening. Okay, sorry. I think it's Carry because on. we're on the beaters. I have noticed. Yeah, I'm not going to get into the beat. I want to talk oh, about the beta right. thing later because yes. that's another story. Um, but anyway, on the iOS 17 beta. But um, yeah, so, you know, you go to the cinema. I, I want to enjoy the cinema as much as anyone else. If my wife leans across to talk to me, I don't want to have to take off these huge headphones first. By the way, she's already wearing them as well because we're both sitting there. It just it, it doesn't make it an experience that's supposedly communal, you know, in that sense of everyone sitting back enjoying a movie. You're sitting there isolated from everyone else, and you know you can barely see the screen anyway, and you're sitting with a pair of headphones on. It's like sensory deprivation tanks, you know, dressed up as a cinema experience. I'm not loving that idea. So you know it's, that's what's put me off the cinema, to be perfectly honest. Now I know in different parts of the world there's different options, but honestly, the simplest thing they could do. It's have a little RF receiver box that you could just plug a pair of earphones into. Now, I know I say this, and of course the reality is that the cinemas have spent money already on systems and they've put that in already, so that's not going to happen. But there's got to be a better way of doing that. It just seems so... I don't know, it, it, it just doesn't seem a very pleasant experience to me. Stephen Scott, let me tell you why I'm not happy with that idea. It's because I'm not happy with the cinema having the responsibility of keeping that equipment in working order or even having enough. Because there's times where we've gone to the cinema and they've had one pair of headphones available. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know what? Just let me, I'll take responsibility. If I haven't got my smartphone or it's not charged up, that's on me. But let me take my smartphone, connect to a Bluetooth, <clears throat> I'm getting emotional, stream, <laughs> Bluetooth stream. And just hear, I mean, what could the possible problem be with that? Are they, if they stream the entire movie soundtrack, are they worried about people recording it? Fine. Just stream the audio descriptive track. And I'll put it together. It's absolutely fine. But yes, I just, I I just think if I'm going to sit and listen to a movie with headphones on, I may as well just stay at home and wait till it comes out and, uh, you know, at home. And I'll just listen yes. to it at home. At least I can Army listen to it through hammer. my own speakers. I don't have to listen to it through headphones. <laughs> it just, uh, it's not an experience. I don't think it's an enjoyable experience as much as it, it used to be for me. And I think that's part of the problem. If they found a way... Of getting, I mean, you know, imagine like, you know, I'm talking about these open fit headphones just now, you know, little open fit earbuds. Yeah. That would be perfect for this. I could wear them. I could be sitting there, my little shocks open fits on. I could be watching my movie. I can be hearing the audio description in my ear. Like you say, just the audio descriptive track, nothing else. Don't need the movie in there because I'm hearing the sound from around about me. And I know that this technology is working for me. I know how it works. I know it'll work fine. Uh, Just... It just feels like, again, we're just forgotten. It, it kind of, it just really annoys me because we get to this point where we just feel that we're just, we're not even second-class citizens in this world sometimes. We're just forgotten. The, you know, the it's like they just is, piecemeal attempts to fix, oh, yeah, we've but, got this system, but, you know, we haven't been bothered updating it in 20 yeah, years and everything's broken. Sharon said, most of the movies in the cinema now have audio description. Well, that's, that's I know it's even more that, annoying. Now, now the problem is, well, actually, yeah, we don't have enough equipment or, no, it's not working at the minute. It's, oh. Come on, you can't win. I once went to the cinema and the guy said, oh, we didn't turn the thing on today. Whatever the thing was, we didn't turn the thing on today. I just It always takes me back to, there was an episode of a TV show here called The IT Crowd and there was a woman who had to look after the internet for a night. It was a box and she was told to look after the internet. They were just basically taking the mick out of her. And they're like, you know, yeah, you go, there's the internet box. You, you, you keep in charge of the internet all night. That's basically how these people see this audio description. <laughs> it's like, no, someone yeah. didn't turn the thing on. Someone's got the box. <sighs> it's just so irritating. Yes, we agree, Sharon. It's so frustrating. But in terms of, you know, overall television and description, yeah, look, I'm just so frustrated because what is, is most infuriating is the work has been done on so many shows, on so many movies, and 
you just can't access it without jumping through hoops. And it doesn't make sense. And it's no wonder there are certain websites that just exist. And that's all I'm going to say on that. But there's no wonder. Because quite frankly, stuff them. If you can't be bothered, if you cannot be bothered to make that content, which you've paid for, by the way, NBC, CBS, ABC, Disney, Apple, whoever it is, if you can't be bothered to make that content accessible to us, we'll find a way to make it accessible to ourselves. I dare you to come after us. I dare you. Come on this show. Come on this show and tell me I'm wrong. Please stop. No, I'm telling you. Come on this show and tell me I'm wrong. Because it is a disgrace. Oh, Oh, sorry. Well done, sir. Well said. No one... Do you know what? It's funny. We've got friends, right, who say to us, I don't bother with TV shows anymore. I kind of get why now. I'm getting to the stage of thinking, you know what? Radio dramas, they're all right. I mean, they're not brilliant compared to good TV dramas. Oh, I'm living the stereotype. Yeah, oh, Radio 4 all the way. But yes, absolutely. please. Absolutely. I'm like, you know what? I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to download The Goon Show, Round the Horn. Um, yes. <laughs> I've got the See, classic Radio Mystery Theatre. I've got all that going in my mind. That's just brilliant stuff. I know. At least it's accessible. It, it, it's maddening. I don't, I don't watch terrestrial TV. I just don't um, no. at all, funnily enough. I, the only thing I watch is on Apple TV or Netflix or <laughs> YouTube, Facebook Watch. And I mean, Apple TV is such a great leader in this. It's like if, you, if you're a broadcaster and you want to know how to do it right, look at Apple TV. Yes, Every absolutely. single show has description available in umpteen languages. Yeah, and Instantly, excellent. All across every single device, no matter which device you're using, you'll get the content described. That is how to do it. And people say, you know, this is what gets me, because people say, oh, you're such an Apple fanboy, you're such an Apple fanboy. Yeah, no wonder, because everything it does, I can access. I don't have to jump through 20 hoops. Okay, shh, shh, shh. Did you just bang the desk then? I did. Oh, well done. You're painting a picture in my head. That is gorgeous. Well done, you. I've gone, what was that guy in the movie Network? <laughs> oh yeah, can't remember his, Howard or Harold. I can't remember what his name was. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. I want audio description on every platform possible, or else. Okay, now relax. I think it's time for another email. Uh, I think it's time for a break. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll take Got a that break bit. first, and then we'll come back with more of your emails. Plus, Michael Babcock's here with a fantastic feature. He doesn't oh. shout. You'll be pleased to hear. Uh, but uh, Michael Babcock is here with a great feature on uh, using portable preferences with voiceover. I bet you didn't know about this feature, and if you did know about it, I bet you didn't know what else you can do with it. It's a really cool feature. We'll find out more about that next on Double Tap. This is Double Tap from AMI-audio. Email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us, 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And now on Mastodon at Double Tap. Hello, this is Darren from Bexley in Kent. Um, I'm afraid this message is time-limited. It's Friday the 28th of July, and as I'm recording this, Sight and Sound are having a Sight Village sale, as might have been mentioned on a previous Double Tap. They've got lots of products reduced, including the Hable One and the Sense Player and Sense Player OCR, amongst many others. I have actually taken the plunge and bought the Sense Player OC with OCR, because it's got 20% off. Instead of £680, um, I got it for £561. So that's about 100 and With shipping, that's £570. So you add £9 for shipping. Um, £570. You're looking at about at least £109 saving or thereabouts, 109 to 119 depending on how you look at it, with or without the shipping. So quite a substantial 20% saving. I can't remember how much the Hable 1 was. This is applicable to those in the UK. So all I'm saying is if you want, look at the website or get on the phone to Sight & Sound 
it, this could be ending around about the middle of August. We're not sure yet. Um, so, yeah, my sense player isn't in yet, but I think it's going to be at least another week to two weeks before I receive it. So this is Darren saying bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Darren. Always good to know the deals that are on and uh, they tend to be on through the month of July. But uh, as you're hearing there from Darren, sometimes they get extended as well. Just a couple of weeks to allow people to to catch up on them, which is always good because there's always good deals well, going on. they should do for people that can't attend you yeah. know, certain conventions as well. So they do usually let it run. But I mean, they should know when it's going to end, right? I, I, don't, I don't like the, oh yeah, well, it's, it's on sale now, but we don't know how long for. Yes, you do. Forever. Just tell us, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the stores you go to, it's just always on sale. Everything's always on sale. Yeah. Uh, but the good thing is this will not just be here, obviously. Uh, Sight and Sound in the UK, of course, will have deals on, as do other uh, companies as well. And indeed around the world, uh, there'll be other deals going on, I think, um is it Frontier and Canadian Assistive Tech and uh, yeah, CNIV Smart Life as well? Usually at the same time deals. as conferences is when, or you know, get-togethers as I like to call them, uh, you'll find these offers as well. CSUN may be a good time for the next one. Yeah, I have to say, uh, thanks to Michael Babcock and Damasi Thomas, I have started uh, been, uh, been delving into the AT Guys website. Uh, they do international <laughs> yes. shipping, which is good news for all of us, um, or bad news for me, uh, potentially. Uh, I started buying things on there. What did you buy? Um, okay, I may have bought one or two things. Right, so I mentioned the Slinger to my wife. She was listening to the show the other day, and she says, what's the Slinger thing? I said, you should listen to the show. It's really good. Well, you know. Yeah, uh, it's all and right. Yes, <laughs> it does. And um, <laughs> she said, uh, I'm not listening to that. Just tell me. So I had to tell her. I had to do like a live show. You gave in. You should I have gave said in. no. Oh, okay, all right. I right, listen. We've been married 10 years. We've known each other for nearly 30. So come on. Um, yeah, you know when it's time's up. So I said, look, here's a slinger. Time's up? Why? I hope she's not listening to this one. Okay. <laughs> Time to give up. Stop, putting, oh, stop, oh, stop so taking the wrong inferences. Who do you think you are, my wife? Um, so Quickly move on. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you buy? So, uh, bought myself a slinger for me. Yes. A slinger slim. That's not slim. easy to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a slim version as well, uh, which I think Michael's going to tell us more about tomorrow. And, uh, <laughs> Can I make a joke about this first time you bought anything in slim? Hang on, hang on. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. And the laughter track would be nice. Yeah, the laughter track would have been, if it was funny. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, carry on. Yes, um, the slinger slim. Well done. And an orbit writer. <gasps> no. Yeah, oh, I want to try wow. one. Yeah, okay. I'll try one. So I thought, yeah, why not? How long is that going to take to ship over here? I believe years. Okay, cool. We should have it by the time the Orbit Writer is no more. Two comes out. (laughs) I'm thinking three. I'm thinking Orbit Writer three. By the time it gets out, I should have the Orbit Writer one. But uh, yes, it will be winging its way. It'll probably get here in like five minutes. International shipping is very quick these days. Uh, What a world we live in. Wonderful, isn't it? Mm. Uh, okay, so uh, speaking of Michael, he dropped us this piece of audio from his Unmute Presents podcast that he does with Damasi Thomas and uh, his other team uh, as well. They do loads of different shows, actually. They do one called Technically Working as well. That's allegedly what we do. I was making podcasts, these guys. Can I just say, partners listening to shows, um, my partners took a particular interest in Technically Working. Oh, really? Purely on the voices. Oh, it's unbelievable. Uh, uh, I might, uh, yeah, oh, that's disgusting. I know. That's what I said. I think that's objectification, don't you? Yeah, exactly. They're not objects. They're men. Leave them exactly. alone. Eyes up here. Well, if you, if, you know, you know. <laughs> not on my larynx. Thank you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Anyway. Uh, well, Michael sent in this piece of audio. Now, if you've ever seen the feature or heard about the feature portable preferences in voiceover on the Mac, then uh, you might be wondering what it is and how it works. It's not obvious because there's not a lot of documentation around it. But uh, Michael explains it to us and shows us how it works. Today I'm going to walk you through the process of configuring voiceover for preferences to be used on a portable device. Now, the portable device that I'm using is kind of extreme. I think it's four terabyte. Yeah, it's a four terabyte external hard drive. But this is just for demonstration purposes. You definitely don't need something that big. You actually can put your portable preferences on a two gigabyte thumb drive if you'd like and take them with you. That's the advantage to this. 
When I turn voiceover on, it doesn't do anything different. It just says voiceover on. But if I press VOF8, opening voiceover utility, voiceover utility, voiceover utility, window, utility categories, table, general, selected, has keyboard focus, and select the general category, you'll see an option in this section. Now, why might you want to do this? Let's say, like myself, you've gone through and spent the time to configure your numpad commander, your trackpad, well, I don't have a trackpad, but your trackpad commander and your keyboard commander, and you've configured the verbosity and, and made all these configurations to your voiceover, and then you use a spouse's Mac, or then you use someone else's Mac, and you're like, why is this doing this this way? Well, portable preferences is the answer. With portable preferences, when you turn voiceover on, it will ask you, do you want to use the portable preferences on, and then insert the name of the drive that's connected. VoiceOver is smart enough to realize that there is portable preferences on the root directory of the drive that you've connected. So, for example, if I jump over to Finder, Finder, external SSD window, external, and I'm on my external SSD and I tap the letter V, external parallels folder Slack application. It actually takes me to Slack, which doesn't make any sense, but that is showing you that there's nothing in here. So if I command tab back over to voiceover utility, voiceover utility, window, utility categories, table, general. And then I VO right arrow, or in my case, use numpad six. And we're going to locate portable preferences off image. And that says portable preferences off. Let's press VO right arrow. Setup button. Setup portable preferences. And we're going to choose the setup portable preferences option. Press VO space. In dialog volumes table, select an external drive. So now this is telling you select an external drive. So I'm going to tap the letter X. External SSD. And then press VON. Okay, default button. And we'll press VO space. Stop button. Closing dialog stop button. Now it says stop. And it says set up portable preferences. If we press VO right arrow. Keeping your voiceover preferences up to date on the drive. External SSD. And we're going to now go back over to Keeping your voice VO left. Stop button. Portable preferences on. Portable preferences is on. Now, anytime you make a change to your voiceover preferences, those changes will be reflected on the portable preferences file that's now been stored on the root directory of your external drive. Let's take a look at that. Command Q. Finder, external SSD, window, Slack, application. And then if I press V now. Voiceover, folder. There's now a voiceover folder. We can go in there. Voiceover for portable group, one of one. And there's voiceover for portable. Now you might be saying, Michael, this is good, but I just need a backup of my voiceover preferences. So when I get a new Mac or if I reset my Mac, then all I have to do is import it. And that's great. That works. Let me show you how to do that with VOF8. Voiceover utility, voiceover utility, window, utility categories, table. And then we'll go up to the file menu. Menu bar, Apple, voiceover file. And we'll go down. File menu, import preferences, ellipsis, export preferences, ellipsis, command shift E. So you can use Command-Shift-E to export your preferences. You can use Command-Shift-I to import your preferences. So VoiceOver always works the way you expect it to. No more leaving your VoiceOver preferences on your Mac or at home. Thank you, Michael. Brilliant demo, as always. And that one, I have to say, is fairly new to me. I was aware of portable preferences, didn't really know how it worked. Everybody I asked would just shrug their shoulders and mm-hmm. So it <laughs> wasn't really helpful to me. So I thought, well, what, why did I use this? So I'm really glad you sent that in, Michael, because I will be – I'm going to well, – I'm, I'm maybe not so bothered about the portable, although I really like the idea of being able to take my preferences and put them into my – see, my MacBook Pro, you know, because I always have different setups. You know, it feels like they're right. always, I'm always going into each voiceover utility and changing it, trying to marry up the settings, and I don't have to do that. I didn't know that. So it's one go. of those sort of almost hidden features or a feature you just sort of pass over, isn't it? And it's not until you actually look at, okay, let, what does this actually do? You think, oh, that's really, really useful. So absolutely. I think that's the thing, isn't it? Sometimes you hear about a feature like that. And once you know about it, you think, well, this is obvious. This, should, of course, should be there. <laughs> and especially with voiceover, because there's just so many different settings in there. Yeah. And when you, when you spend that time setting up exactly how you like it, and it's like you say, when you go to another setup, Oh, wow, this just feels completely different. Yeah, it's like fast search or whatever, or, you know, maybe you've, like, you know, Michael was saying about, you know, the numpad commander. Oh, that's the main thing for me. Yeah, Well, absolutely. I had that today. I was sitting here trying to get 
I was trying to find something using the numpad commander and I was using the command key in the numpad and it wouldn't work. And I'm thinking, why? Just kept going bonk, bonk, bonk. Why keep bonking at me? I am bonking. And, and then I realized it's because, it's because the setup was on another Mac. So it's not set up here. So the computer doesn't know what I'm asking it to do. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's no exactly. commands on that. So, you know, I was I could go and set it up, but who's going to do that? Who's got time for that? Nobody. Exactly. Uh, but Michael, thank you for that. Unmute Presents is the podcast. There's also Technically Working as well. You get that wherever you get good and bad podcasts. Yeah. So you can go check that out and uh, go subscribe. And uh, thank you to Michael for sending that in. If you would like to send in some audio, you don't have to do it as professionally as Michael. You can just record on your smartphone. Uh, you can use any smartphone you like. I keep getting people asking me this. What should I use? Should I go and buy a recording kit? Lena asked no. me this the other day on email, and I ran back to her and said, look, I don't think so. I think most people, their audio quality from a, an iPhone or an Android phone is fine. I would actually recommend, if you're sending audio, to use your smartphone, whatever kind of smartphone it is, use that over something like a Victor Reader or even a specialist recorder. Because the problem with all these fancy devices is they all come with their own complications. Like, I've got a brilliant Zoom recorder. I think it's the H4N Zoom recorder, which I absolutely love. The audio quality from this thing is incredible. I bought it maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe even longer, further back than that. Been a mm. brilliant device, but it's not accessible at all. And it was okay yeah. back then because I could at least see the, the light flashing to tell me it was on, but now I can't even tell that's right. So yeah. I just gave up on it because the problem is now there's a menu and that little menu will say things and if it's running out of space or whatever or there's a battery issue. Pointless. It will tell you. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't tell me anything. P4, that's the one you want, isn't it? That's the one everyone loves. There's a few. There's a few. Is it not the H range? Is it like H, A or P, A or something? I can't remember. I don't know. can't remember. I can't remember. There's so We're many of them. people. Yes. I'll be honest. I think they're all a little bit... It's funny. I had a few people talking about going to these conventions you know, in the States, and they were all talking about all this fancy equipment they were taking with them to record, and in the end, they just used their iPhone. It's because it's just there. It's in your it's hand. It's just so easy. Yeah, that's right. And you know what? The quality is absolutely fine. I will say, if you really wanted to, and I, I kind of say this with hesitancy because Uh-oh. we're about to, well, we're about to move towards the new iPhone range, which I imagine with 15 onwards is going to be USB-C. Yes. So that means that a lot of the gadgets you can buy today that you can plug into your iPhone, the one microphone I recommend to a lot of people, or at least did, was the Shure, that's S-H-U-R-E, M-V-A-8, M-V for Motive, M-V-8-8. That is a brilliant little microphone, and you can plug it into the bottom of your iPhone, and it basically becomes the, a, a, well, it is, it's a much better microphone. It's an incredible microphone, actually. One of the best I've used in a long time. But that is a lightning port connector. Mm-hmm. So obviously, if you bought that, it's not going to work on the newer iPhones. Now, of course, if you're not planning to upgrade to a new iPhone, fine, you've got that option. Maybe you've got an old iPhone that you use for recording, then that would be perfect for it. But uh, that is probably, it was about $150 roughly for that. Uh, but it is a stunningly good microphone and that will increase the quality on your recording. But I think the reason I like it is because I can just connect it to my already existing hardware. I can walk around with it in my pocket. It's a tiny little microphone. I can have it there and it means I just plug it in when I need it get that good quality sound um, without compromise. But I'm just using a phone like I would, you know, anyway. Again, it's the um, it's having everything in your pocket. It's the thing with every smartphone, right? It just, actually, it works and it's fine and it's there. So why not use it? And the thing is, so say, for example, you've got an old, like if I transfer, you know, because I've got to contact my network provider and I've got to get a piece of Which paper. Which uh, um, Oh, two. Oh, oh. Too. I say yes. oh a lot in the sentence yes. contacting this company. I'm not sure it follow, always followed by the number two. Um, but yeah, so I'll have you contacting them because I've got to get a piece of paper to get a SIM card. To tra- it's so ridiculous. It is so <sighs> Someone ridiculous. think of the planet, please. Think of, the, think of my patience, will you? Right. Never mind the planet. The planet's screwed. But me? Think about Why? me. It's all about okay. me. Okay, uh, next. Uh, but yeah, anyways, as I was about to say, uh, no, please you, don't. You could you, you could use the old phone as your recording device, and again, the great thing is fully accessible. If you get something like even just, even just basic voice memos is fine. Couple of hints and tips: if you're recording, not that it's essential to do this, but you can go into the settings. You can change it from compressed to uncompressed. That gives you the best quality audio. 
means you're not compressing the audio to start with. It does make it smaller to fit on an email, but these days that doesn't matter so much. It depends how long the file is, obviously. Uh, but if you're sending on an iPhone, it'll use MailDrop anyway, so you'll you'll have no hassle with sending it. Yeah. Um, but you can attach a, an audio file to an email, and then you can send that into us. But as I say, even an Apple Watch. We've got a demo coming up on tomorrow's show. Recorded on an Apple Watch. SE. And honestly, I, I couldn't tell. It was an Apple Watch recording. It was it was brilliant. Sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. And don't worry about any, you know, if you fall over a sentence or fall over anything, as I often do. But don't worry about it. We can edit it. So all you need to do is hit the record button and send us your gold. Send us your gold. Money for gold. Money for audio. No money. Hang on, no money. No, no, don't. Yeah, no, sorry. Hang on, come on. So F will be in touch about that. Uh, listen, one more uh, voicemail before we go. Shazad's been back in touch. Hey. Hello, Steve, Sean and Laura. I hope you're all fine. Stephen, I would like you to start a debate on how us blind people can be more proactive in asking big giants like Apple uh, or Google or Microsoft to make their websites more accessible for blind people. Surely there should be a forum for us to be more proactive nowadays. Keep up your effort on your land yard issue, <laughs> and I feel that we should start a support group so that other blind people uh, can help one another in making their own blind box. Please also ask Sean to get his mixer up and running soon. Yeah, sure. I hope you're all fine. This is Shazad Bukhari from Birmingham. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Shazad. Yeah, get your mixer work. How's that going? Have you fixed it yet? Well, that I am what basically on... the whole weekend was spent yes. fiddling yes, with. Yes, exactly. I, now, I am on my mixer right now, so oh. you tell me. How do I sound? One, two, one, two, testing, I one, two. you sound beautiful. Oh, thank you, sir. But I'll be yes. honest, you could record uh-huh. this on an iPhone 12 and it would sound probably Same. exactly the same. Yes, it wouldn't have took me, I think it's been four <laughs> or five weeks I've been trying to set this thing up, but touch You and I wood. are never happy, right? We're never I, happy with our setup. I'm going to change mine today. I know I'm going to change I've got a new piece of kit coming and it's, it's like I've literally, I could buy a new mug and I would alter my entire room setup just exactly to accommodate right. it. I spent all yesterday just polishing and cleaning so I could oh, yeah, yeah. set it up properly, you know, because you don't want to set it all, all your new stuff up on a uh, a Filth, tea-stained, ridden. filthy desktop. So yeah. I was bleaching and cleaning and, um, yeah, I still haven't finished. But, yes, the mixer is set up, so hopefully I can start recording some things. Oh, wow. No guarantees. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're all looking forward to the next Shaun of the Shed, Aishazad. Mm-hmm. All right, calm down. Um, hey, the blind box is a good idea, though. I was talking about this to my wife. She says, uh, this is a good my idea wife. we should do. My wife. She said that uh, she liked this idea as well. She's not going to listen to the show to contribute at all. Oh, sorry, I've totally but, uh, forgotten what the blind box is. The blind box, right. So it's the box. Well, kind of a joke, actually, but I think it might be a good idea. What would be, and we're talking virtual here, right? Let's create all the, let's think about what would go into the blind box. If you were giving someone a box of kit... Hello, say, you're blind. Here you go. Yes, congratulations. You're blind. Now here's a box full of stuff. Um, right. What would be in it? Ooh. Oh. Right, so let's create the blind box. What uh, would be in sausages. the blind box? <laughs> no uh. sausages. Look, I, I'm, do you want me to tell people that story? <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's move on. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Okay. Um, the blind no, that, box. That's, that's, and, and on the point about website accessibility, so are you talking, Shazad, about specifically like Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon? Are you talking about these specific companies? Or are you suggesting that we should perhaps, you know, ask these companies to get more involved in advocacy for accessible websites? I, I think it might be a bit of both you're talking about here. Um, but if you're talking about specifically the company websites, I think the best thing you can do is get in touch with them directly. Microsoft uh, and Google through Be My Eyes, you can get in touch directly with them there. And you could feedback and show them. I mean, actually, that's the best way, to be honest. If you can get them on Be My Eyes, you can show them whatever issue you're having on their website. Uh, Apple, it's always accessibility at apple.com. That seems to be the, the route for any mm. conversation with them. So, you know, I would say that it is on us to engage uh, we obviously want these companies to make their websites more accessible, but you sometimes got to tell them what the problem is, right? They may I not be aware. 
that's key because there are so many different ways to contact or get in touch with these companies now through social media or directly through email or even telephone, right? So that really isn't the issue. Now, who knows what sort of response you're going to get from that if you feel like you've been listened to or not. That's a whole different story. Mm. But I think you've got to be really clear. Okay, you know, here's the problem that I'm having. If you just go in and say you need to think more about accessibility, then okay, we will. And you're not going to get anywhere. So you need to say, okay, here's the problem. And you know, step by step, because that's that's how these companies work. They need to know specifically what problem you're having and how you think it can be fixed or or whatever. It, it, that, just be very clear when you talk to them. And I also think, you know, because of the size of these companies, I mean, take Apple, for example, the size of that company, if you were to go in and say there's an issue with the website, you know, when you're contacting the accessibility team, they are probably expecting to respond to issues relating to accessibility tools, not accessibility of their website, say. Now, that's not to, that's not to put an excuse out there, but it's just to say, you know, I think expectation is key, right? You've maybe got to expect when you're contacting these companies that there will be a little bit of time to get the information across to the right department. You know, when you yeah. contact someone at accessibility, they're going to get in touch and say, okay, um, you know, which website is it? Which area of the website? And then they'll try and figure out the answer to it. Yeah, it is, it's always an issue, Shazad. It's going to be an issue for a long time because, you know, these not only do these websites continually evolve, which probably throws up a whole range of new problems every <laughs> single time, uh, we've then got to keep on top of it as well. So it's kind of on all of us, I think. Um, that's it for today. Thank you once again for getting in touch. Uh, tomorrow we're going to be talking about Peloton bikes and accessibility. Not Ooh. from our perspectives, I should say. Uh, and also, <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking more about lanyards. Don't you just oh, love a lanyard? Joy! It's on the air tomorrow as we continue with Double Tap. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.